You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for being here this morning. It is a, such an honor being able to be back here at Antioch, and it has been eight years. And, and the Lord is good seeing how you guys have been faithful and how he's doing his work in, in Uruguay. Um, right now, nothing. Thank you so much. Nothing is, you know, I, yesterday the pastor said he's a crier. I'm a crier too. I tell you, nothing increases me more than starting my day with a message from a lady from our church in Montevideo saying, hey, we're celebrating pastor's uh, day today here, and, and thank you for what you do. And very unexpected. So at 6 a.m. in the morning, I'm already crying. So anyway, it's just, uh, it has been, has been um, it is good to leave the church and, and know that everything is in good hands and, and not many missionaries can have that uh, blessing. So this morning we're going to be in the book of Romans chapter 15, just a few verses. Um, the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 19 that Jesus' last commandment to his followers was, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So on the days to come, every single conversation that we'll have, whether it's in, our, in, in, in different classrooms around campus or here, um, at our Bible studies, at a prayer meeting, even when the ladies are going to go shopping, the missions, the missions talk is going to be present, right? Because that's all we do, this emphasis weeks where we, we concentrate on what God is doing around the world. In our case, God has called us to Uruguay, just there between Argentina and Brazil, a country with only three and a half million you compare, Brazil has 150, Argentina has 45 million, so we are the smaller brother, the, the, the younger, the, the, the little brother. Now, it is a very complex culture where we're at. Why? Because in 1825, the founding fathers decided that Uruguay will not be a Christian nation. For the average America, when we think about the southern part of the border, Mexico and South America, immediately in your minds are, oh, everyone is Catholic. That is not the case where we're at. Our family lives and shares life with, most of the time, maybe 90% of the people that we, that we share life with are agnostics or atheists. And for the most part, our conversations lead us to the conclusion that people have a distorted idea of who God is, why Jesus came to earth, and what does the Bible say. So that's what we are there for, right? Oftentimes, while we're having conversations with Uruguayans, people, the Uruguayans will say, you know, Esteban, I might be able to believe in a greater being. I might even be able to believe that there is a God. But do not say anything or do not talk to me about Jesus. What a complex dynamic within one conversation. So what do you do in those times? Most of you understand what I'm saying, that we talk and pray at the same time, right? We have a vertical and horizontal conversation at the same time. 
God gave us wisdom. The culture where we live is very melancholic. You know, if you think of Latin America, if you think of Mexico, you think the mariachi music, or you think Brazil, there's a carnival. Uruguay is very melancholic. It's the type of music that before, you know, before you make, after you walk all the way to a high-rise building, before you test gravity, you listen to Uruguayan music. That's the last thing you want to hear, right? It drives you to do those things. So right now we're suffering the major issues like depression, anxiety, drug addiction. We have received at our church lately situations that are difficult. People, they say, they need, I need help because they have been at rehab places, but we know that they need more than a program, that they need a savior. Now, in your minds, you are thinking right now that I'm almost describing the United States of America as well, right? <laughs> because we have a global problem which is the consequences of sin and how Satan wants to destroy you and I and our marriages and our families because he knows that his days are counted. Now, what we are talking and what I'm describing about Uruguay is a culture that lives without hope. The first time that Emily and I attended a funeral of an atheist, when they closed everything, their son, guy that I went to high school with, Alvaro just said, well, that's it. Let's go home. And he said it with this particular tone, like there's nothing else. There was no words of remembrance of his, what his father did in life. There was no hope that he was going to be able to see him again. Nothing. So we got in the car, and Emily broke down. And she made this statement. How can people live without hope. So what do we do? How do we go on missions into and facing these big, difficult realities? How do we approach a hopeless world? This morning, I believe because of the passage that we're going to be walking through in Romans 15, that every single one of us can go to every single situation, conversation, our locations, the people that we love with the gospel message, if we apply four different elements from this text. So let's read. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Apostle Paul said, I, am, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourself are full with goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. So the number one element that we need to learn this, at this particular time is that we need to have confidence in God. And in his work. God is at work. When you come to Antioch Baptist, Bible Baptist here, you need to come thinking, I don't come to hang out with the people that I love, and I don't, I, I don't come here just to listen to great music. I come here to experience and see the work of God among the church. And that's what happened in the church of Rome, because Paul is praising them. He said, you are full of goodness. And we, go, we like to go to places where there's good, good things happening right? happening, right? So the goodness that he's talking here is people that, that practice. There was evidence of the work of God in their lives. What we, we call, you know, in the, in the church, the way that we talk at church sometimes is kind of weird when people and church people hear us talking. We call them the fruit of the Spirit, Right? 
and we have to practice love and kindness. We need to be merciful with people because people are craving for something while they live without while they're living without hope. And they said not only they were full of goodness, they have knowledge. Now he's not talking here about the high IQ. And here we have a system right in our culture. Oh, I have these high these IQ. I went to the school of the gifted, blah, blah, blah. Are you laughing because you don't believe that I no <laughs> my son did, but not his dad. What is he talking about here is they have knowledge of the biblical truth. And you and I must to dive on the word of God every day. You cannot survive with a Sunday diet when it comes to how much you learn from the word of God. It has to be daily. So to get to this point, to have knowledge of the word of God, you have to dive and read this book and allow the Holy Spirit of God to teach you, as Paul also refers in 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, 10 to 13, that the Holy Spirit will teach us the biblical truth. And then there's instruction. And what he's talking about here is people that were able to counsel one another. Now, now we have developed counseling ministries. We have made it almost a professional, a profession of counseling. Paul is not talking about that. He's talking about a church that they knew so much that knowledge was applied in regular conversation. So when someone will come with a situation and share it with a brother or a sister in Christ, everything was filtered through the Word of God. And we must strive as churches to know so much about the Scriptures that when someone comes with a difficult life event, we pray, we filter through the Bible, and we keep our opinions as far away as possible. Because life is difficult. In the mission field, we have seen it as you see it here. It's the first time in, in the ministry where I see a man that is neglecting his family at a level that he's abandoned his wife. And I had to go in counsel with my own pastor and said, you know, I don't think these ladies should live in this household. And you dive on the Word of God and see what are the reasons why we are going to express certain things. And you and I need to be able to go to the Lord in prayer and to dive into the Word and attain the knowledge that He's going to allow us to instruct one another. Do you know that people in the hopeless world are craving to be part of a community such as this? And it's a great responsibility that we have as believers this morning. That we will, walk we will be serious about our walk with Christ. The church needs to be a place where believers give their service or their goodness, concentrate in learning sound doctrine from the Scripture, and where people will, with difficult life events can come to us and trust us that we will lead them and guide them with the Scripture. So the first element, if we're going to go and engage the world, is confidence. The second, a personal call. Verse 15 said, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by a way of reminder. Because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. 
so that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We could spend three Sundays on these two verses, but we're not going to do that. I have limited time. It's a limited edition sermon today. So although Paul writes a tremendous amount of theological topics within this book, of, to the letter to the Romans, here in this chapter we're going to see one, one thing. That his personal call was to take the gospel to people that were non-Jewish, the Gentiles. That was his personal call. Do you have a personal call this morning? We do not use that word anymore. I'm, 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 I'm going to cater to the younger crowd. What is your life about? What is your goal? What is your purpose in life? And we have one and two and three different conversations with younger ladies in, in Uruguay. And it comes down to this. When you live a hopeless life, you do not have a purpose. And she had a conversation with a particular young lady that she made this statement. If I'm on a wreck on my way home, I just call 911 because no one cares about me. She has a large, she, she's part of a large family, by the way. And Emily said, so what is, your, what is the purpose of your life? Three times she has three different ladies. She was able to lead two to Christ this past month. But this one in particular, she said, I don't know. Why am I, why, what am I supposed to do in life? And this, this one is hard. She, she doesn't want to give her life to the Lord yet. Purpose. Paul had a particular, a personal call. So my question to you is, what is your personal call? Is he supposed to come and spend a good time and just go home and watch the Chiefs? And that's it? Is he to make more money? Money is good. There's not, there are good biblical principles for how do we administer or how to, you know, be good with our resources. But you know that statistically, it is said that 50 years after you and I die, no one will remember us. But if we understand our call that we all have to go and talk to someone, we can make a broader impact, a multi-generational impact. John Sawyer, in 1963, landed in Montevideo, Uruguay. And he started a church. And a nine-year-old boy walked just with a pair of shorts. And, the, and, the, and John allowed him to stay. And that BBFI missionary led these young men to the Lord. That at 15 surrendered and went to seminary. And became a pastor. And he is my dad. And now I can see, coming from a broken home where there was alcoholism, there was all kinds of abuse at his household. How the gospel, because someone answered a call to go to Uruguay, and hear me out here. On the 60s, like I'm sure the Barnes as well, there was no less research on Google what, is the, what does the, the country look like. Okay? We don't go to Walmart without searching something on, you know, on our phones. I don't, got, I don't get paid by Walmart, but it's okay. Because someone answered a personal call, I am here today as a missionary, as a, as a child of God, and we can impact other families and other lives. And our kids can grow up in a Christian home, and there are more that are going to be impacted. But you have a personal call. Maybe you're not called to be a missionary. Maybe you do. 
whatever is within your heart this morning, you must be obedient to that particular call. But Paul here is talking about an acceptable offering to God. What is this acceptable offering? I also have several family members that attended revival services and repeated a prayer and walked, moved, went forward to the altar, raised their hand, they moved forward, and 50 years later, they leave like they have never met Jesus as a Savior. Because we have made sometimes systems of how to get to people to be saved. And Paul is talking about here, what is an acceptable offering? Is people, they are truly saved. In the picture, you're going to see Juan. Juan is part of our church. And Gabriel, my brother, led him to the Lord. Juan, Juan spent 36 years going to Baptist churches. VBS, youth camps, all kinds of meetings. Awanas, Bible memorization. He knows my, more, more verses than me. But one Sunday, after we pray, a man comes and said, you need to go to the office and talk to Juan. And I walk into an office and I encounter a broken man. And his words were this. I cannot deal with this anymore. I tried. I tried to have a relationship with God, but I know that I'm not saved. 36 years. An acceptable offering is when someone understands and has a, a clear response to a convicted call from the Holy Spirit unto repentance. We are all sinners. And there has to be a point in your, your timeline of your life that you can make a circle and say, I was saved in this particular moment. If you do not have that in the, this morning, in a loving way, I'm, I will ask you to reconsider how is your relationship with Christ. Then after we understand that we're sinners and we repent, we place our faith in Jesus and we allow him to work in our life and transform our lives. Anna spent over a year at our church. She comes from a Catholic background. Over a year attending. You know, the good, the good old Baptist assistant was, if you spend more than two weeks, if you didn't get saved as a first-time visitor, there was something wrong. <laughs> you guys remember those, you know, that, that idea? In our culture, not because I'm graduated from an American college and I'm a missionary, they don't, they don't, they're not sold out to what I'm saying on Sundays. They like to listen, they digest, they think, they come with questions, they send questions sometimes over text, they come Sunday after Sunday. That was Anna, over a year. She came to our church because we had a grief clinic. One, her best friend died at 49 of cancer, and she was searching. That is an acceptable offering. That someone will understand that they are sinners, that they need to repent, that they need to place their, their faith in Jesus, and Jesus needs to become their Lord of their lives. So Paul had this call to preach to a specific group, which was the people that have not yet hear the gospel. So he had confidence in the work of God, a personal call. But then he had the right attitude. It is, it always comes to mind. How many of you love the Transformers series? Be honest. Let's go. Transformers. 
Nobody, nobody, what's happening? One, two, three, four. There is one in one of those movies. They are under attack, and he borrows a credit card from someone to call the Pentagon. And there's a call center in a guy with an accent, hello, <laughs> a guy from India. So this soldier is desperate, right, to get help from the USA. And, and, and he's rushing the conversation. They are, being, they are under attack. And the guy from the call, calling center said, your attitude is not helping. <laughs> I'm like, hello, right? I thought it was one of the most funny moments in the history of movies, you know? <laughs> A guy from India telling an American soldier, hey, your attitude is not helping while he's under attack. You know, Paul had the right attitude towards ministry because there is also a constant, there are constant expressions in Paul's life, terms like I'm the least or I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. And you know what, is, what he's talking about when he says that? That he understands his prior life, then Christ, and then his future in Christ. And then after he encountered Christ, he concentrated constantly on giving, you know, having the right attitude towards who is doing the work. In Christ Jesus, verse 17 said then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. You know, I have on my desk a replica of a plaque that President Ronald Reagan had at his office while he was president. And, and the phrase states this, there is no limit to what a man can do or he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. That was pretty clear. Oh, wow, there's a Reagan fan in the house. That's right. <laughs> Shall we balance things out? No, no let's just stay focus on the text, okay? You know, when I, read, when I was reading these verses, when Paul, when Paul writes, in Christ Jesus, I have no reason to be proud of my work, for I will not talk of anything except what Christ did. You know, I, I like the fact, I love the fact that you want to know our family, but I want to talk about what God is doing in your way. He's the same God that is working here. Now, what happens when people ask about Antioch? How do you respond? We have an awesome worship pastor. He plays a fender. He's cool. <laughs> we have, do we have, do we still have this light down you know, for the kids? We have an awesome program for kids. We barbecue quite, a, quite often. We're in Kansas City. Man, our cool, when the Chiefs play, everyone wears a jersey. It's awesome. And countless response that we have. What if we change our responses and we said, God is. Andy of God is working. Andy of God is changing life. What if we say things like, God is doing, God is with us while we worship. And in America, we need to get back to that mindset because we have invested great resources on everything we enjoy. I'm not against what we enjoy, but we need to focus back on who is doing his work. And Paul had the right attitude because he gave God the credit for everything that was taking place in his ministry. Lastly, he has the last element that he had in his life, a specific target. 
I know in Texas it's bow hunting season. I don't know. I don't know if he's, he's here here as well. Is it bow hunting season? No hunters in the house. It is. You don't just grab your bow and arrow and close your eyes and do this, okay? No. You go to the tree stand and you wait, and you even put some some weird scent, you know, <laughs> so they don't see that there's a human there waiting. But you wait and you're quiet. First you scout the place, right? And you see, you wait. And there's a target and there's food coming towards you. And you wait and to the right moment you let it go and hopefully it hit the heart or some vital organ so you can be satisfied. But you had aimed to something. Verse 20 said, and thus I make it my ambition. I love the fact that you and I did not talk about this sermon. And you used a song. The first song was talking about an ambition. And we must have an ambition. We have, must have a target today. To, is to reach at least one soul for Christ in our lifetime. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named. Lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written... Those who have never heard being told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul said, I make it my ambition. And other versions said, I made it my aim. Paul was obedient to the call to be a witness for Christ and had a personal goal within that call. He was to reach people they had never heard about Jesus Christ. So who are the unreached? It is anyone who had never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. When someone, you know, we live life in Springfield, Missouri, and everyone was a Christian and everyone attended High Street Baptist Church. That was the easiest way. That was the easiest way to get you out of the way, right? If you will talk to a coworker or a neighbor, oh, no, yeah, I'm a Christian. My family went to high school. Maybe it was in 1920, but it's okay. It seems like they think it's still valid for them. A clear gospel presentation takes time and effort and love and grace and patience. I don't know if I'm getting old, but it's the third time that I'm going to say back in the day type of thing, right? <laughs> Am I getting old? I'm 49. I'm not 5-0 yet. I have been, and with good motivations and with good intentions, professors, professors at Bible college have said, if you give the Romans road, people will be saved. Not always happened that way. We must rely on the fact that we have the fine line between the urgency of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. It has never been about our methods. It has always been about what God is doing in people's lives. So the problem is, the problem this morning that we're facing at a missions conference and talking about the unreach is this. Most of us are thinking, oh, the unreach is in the other side of the world. We're fine here. Most of us think that way. 
Well, I'm gonna, let me challenge you this morning. And rich people are across your home. And rich people are in your job sites. And rich people are some of your kids' teammates, their parents. And rich people are within your family. The problem is, it's easier for us as Americans to assume that everything is fine, that everyone has heard, and we stop doing our job locally. It is encouraging to think about missions. But you know what? For a long time, missionaries in churches outside of the states are praying for America. And I hope we understand that it's not about one country and another country. It's about a divine plan. And there is someone very close to you that and God wants to use you to present the gospel in a clear way. We're going to, Emily and the boys, we're going to be here for four days. It's going to be great. But we're living. Now that we dislike you guys. Because God has called us to go there. But who is going to reach the unreached here in this particular location? It should be you. So whether you go at a local level or God is moving within your heart to go to a cross, and have a cross-cultural experience somewhere else, you and I, we just need to follow Paul's example. He had confidence in the work of God. He understood his personal call. He had the right attitude. He gave God the glory for everything. But he had a specific target. Do you have that in mind this morning? Is it me or God quiet? Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a spouse. One of the questions that we were reading is how do people look like in our church? I praise God every Sunday when I see lady after lady after lady walking into a building because they are the only ones in their family and they are being mocked from the time they arrive from church till the time they have to leave to go to church the next Sunday or when, the next Wednesday or Sunday. Maybe that's happening here as well. Who is your target this morning? Is it to give you more to missions? Great, we love that. But what about the people that God has placed you close to you so you can be a witness and they can hear the gospel message? So we have confidence in the fact that God himself is at work in every conversation, every situation, every opportunity that he's given us. We need to take those. We need to understand our personal call. He has something specific for your life. So are you following your call this morning? And we need to go with the right attitude, which is giving him the glory for every success story, every salvation, every accomplishment. Because he, only God, deserves the credit. And we need to pray that God will give you and I specific targets. And aim to those through prayer first. And love unto them, which is, that's the goodness, that's service, right? And talk to them about the gospel, that's the knowledge. And to counsel to them. It's okay to counsel an unsaved person with biblical principles. 
That's the church that he was, he got, God wants to design for us to be part of. We need to have confidence, a personal call, the right attitude, that specific target. Those four elements are going to help us to conquer a world that is living without hope. Let's pray. Father, you know the hearts, and you know every situation. And also you know that it has been ordained by you to have this particular mission conference at this moment. And Father, I pray that if people are wrestling, whether it's with their salvation or with their call, that they will be encouraged this morning to make the right decision to follow you. Father, I had a conversation before we started the service with a father that his daughter is not even going to church right now. And there are concerns for that particular family and for others. We all have family members and loved ones that are away from you. Help us to be a tool of love and grace and a tool to be used by you so they can, whether it's returning or, get, or whether it's getting to know you as a Savior. You have given us resources and time and health and a desire to go. So, Father, show us the right way, how to do it in the right way, in your way. I pray that you will put it a particular individual, a target, so that people can aim to a loved one, a co-worker, a friend. That they will start through, from prayer to action, to spiritual, meaningful conversations so we can lead them to Christ. And I'm, I praise you for what you're doing here at Antioch. And I pray also for how this church has a target to send people out within the next years. And I pray that this week, will, a week, that you will change our hearts, improve our walk with you. Thank you, Father, for being here this morning. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.